Al Berry and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry and with me is Tim Parrish. And today we're going to talk about hockey and hockey cards. Tim, how are things? I'm uh, doing doing well, despite constantly wondering what it's like outside, since I can't go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, in Chicago, excuse me, in the state of Illinois, we have um, a stay-at-home order until the 30th. And they're telling us, oh, you could still go grocery shopping, you could still go get takeout food, you could still go to the laundromat, you could still go for a jog, but they just don't want... Um, us congregating in groups they want they keep enforcing the social distance you know stay six feet away whatever man i really need a haircut right now i am just like i i've got like the hockey flow going in the back and i i i don't know i'm just i'm kind of done with long hair like i don't have long long hair but i'm almost at the point where i could pull it back into like a small ponytail and you know i'm just like i don't know if i want that Definitely don't want my hair to be long enough to put in a man bun, because then I'd have to, I'd have to like, I'd have to like, um, kick your own ass, kick my own ass for it. Yeah, <laughs> I know Charles Barkley was talking about how much he hated the man bun and how they had somebody at TNT, like one of the interns or whatever, had a man bun. So he like paid him five hundred dollars to cut the man bun, but they had they wanted to do it on TV or something. I don't know because he's just like oh, I hate them so much, the man buns. But he's, uh, je- he's jealous because he has no hair. No, uh, I think you know. Here's the thing that I remind myself about about trends all the time. When I see a guy with a man bun, I say, "You want to know what? Twenty five years ago, I was a guy with a ponytail. When ponytails were kind of like the kind I don't want to say hipstery. They were kind of like I mean, you were either you were a bit like an alt rock type, alt rocker. You know what I mean? Because if you were a headbanger, you wore your hair." you know, down to your shoulders. And I did that. And then when I, when my musical taste went from Metallica to Pearl Jam, and then my hair went from like shoulder length to like shoulder length, but tied back in a ponytail. Cause it was the nineties and that was cool. And your t-shirt went from black to flannel. Yeah, actually. Yeah. I went from a Megadeth, <laughs> went from a Megadeth shirt to a Soundgarden shirt. But, uh, you know, so that's the thing is like, everybody likes, you know what people like now, like I see somebody with like, um, a nose piercing and at first i want to be just like oh gross but then i go nah you know what i wasn't i never got my ears pierced but i was not against guys getting ears their ears pierced so you know what people like now i gotta just remind myself well i liked the thing you know 10 15 20 years ago and it's the same it, it's the different it might be different but it's the same right trends come back trends come back or another so eventually hockey will come back, but until then we are just talking about like the little scraps of hockey um, that happen here and there. Um, some interviews, some players saying stuff, some things going on. Going on. What do you want to talk about first? I don't know. There's there's so many so many things to choose from. Let's talk about all the highlights of the games last night. Oh wait, never mind. Okay, so how do you pronounce with other things? How do you pronounce this KHL team that folded? Admiral Vlad Vladivostok. Vladivostok, yeah, very good. Admiral Vladivostok. Okay. Yeah, the uh, 
basically they they announced that they're pulling out of the KHL um, with the season canceled. They're broken. Essentially, can't support the team anymore. Um, the big one of the biggest reasons is they lost their sponsor because their sponsor uh, is involved in um, some things that they essentially had to lay off, you know, lay off workers. So this is the first team that I've heard of that basically had to fold due to COVID nineteen. Wow! And I would hate to see more of this, but in smaller markets. Well, the KHL is hardly what I would consider a smaller market. I mean, it's the biggest it's the the biggest organization from a hockey standpoint in Europe. But at the same time, you have a lot of smaller type market teams mm-hmm. that play in that league that are funded on a wing and a prayer. So mm-hmm. I mean I don't want to say they're the only ones, but there could be more. Yeah. It kind of sucks. Kind of I mean, I wouldn't see that happening to any NHL teams, but it's still it's it, it's kind of horrible. So also, uh four additional members of the Senator Ottawa Senators organization were tested positive uh for COVID-19. Yeah, I heard that the Senators reported that everybody was recovering well and and doing okay now, but um yeah. Seems like it was racking through like the whole entire senator's organization. I don't know if that was due to that whole West Coast trip or not. It sure seems like it. Well, hang on, but and again, I don't have the schedule memorized, but remember there was uh the player who played for was it Utah, the couple of players on the Utah Jazz basketball team. R- correct. They played in Toronto. The visiting basketball teams who play at Air Canada Center, the visiting hockey teams use the same visitor locker room as the visiting basketball teams. So if the Utah Jazz used that locker room and then the Ottawa Senators used that locker room, then you have your chance for your contamination there. That was something they were Makes you wonder what the quality of cleaning is then kind of reminds me of the conversation we had a few weeks ago about the crappy locker rooms that you guys play in for Ugh. rat hockey. Oh god. Well, not just rat hockey, just any hockey. Like um probably the only locker rooms that I've been in that are were like really really clean was when the Blackhawks opened their own facility um a couple years ago a two a two rink facility the locker rooms they have there are small because they're kid-sized locker rooms they don't think of adults now the blackhawks they have their own locker rooms that you can't even get to because they're like you know behind all these doors and hallways and stuff but like the locker rooms for the public they're small there's a lot of them but they're small but they're clean but if you look at that in the grand scheme of things, okay, here's a professional NBA, professional basketball, make millions and millions of dollars. And yep. here's professional hockey making millions of dollars. And the fact that one organization could be in and a couple guys are sick and another organization can come in, obviously not on the same night, but even if it's less than 24 hours, turn around, I would think that the place would be clean, but I guess it, you know, clean is relative, you know, 
pick up stuff on the floor, make your bed, put your clothes away, that kind of clean, not get down on your hands and knees and scrub with a toothbrush kind of clean. Yeah, so. maybe mop the floors clean and maybe sure. like wipe down countertops clean, but maybe right. not like clean the walls clean. Yeah, and and since this lives on surface can live on surfaces up to 48 hours in some cases. There you have it. So so speaking of NHL, so uh, the team uh, NHL extended team deadlines um, from the fourth now to the fifteenth. But then you mentioned, but then uh, Victor Hedman mentioned that it was extended to April thirtieth. Now you're going to get a lot of different answers from a lot of different players depending on where they live. Because like here, I can only talk about what I know from uh, being in Chicago. They extended it until April thirtieth. I mean, I saw this go from you know, around March 13th or March 12th, they, they announced, they said nothing until April 7th. And then, then like a week later, it was like April 21st and now it's April 30th. And I'm not complaining and I should be writing this down because I'm already starting to forget some of the details because it just keeps going on and on. And it just, you know, it's just like day becomes night, night becomes day. Is it the week? Is it the weekend? I don't know. It's just another day at home. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at like, um, is in Tampa Bay, right? And that's, uh, in Florida, that's that wonderful little Petri dish known as Florida, um, where they're still not, they still don't have a statewide order, statewide stay at home order it's being done county by county there was this great beach that all the comedians or a great photo that all these comedians are showing uh, it was like a long far away shot of the beaches and you see some beaches are crowded and some are like super empty and it's just be, just looking down and you can tell where the county lines are right because where that big mass of people are along the water oh well that's the county that's not having a stay at home order so i mean as far as headman knows you know <laughs> well and that's that's why i brought that up originally was you know on these player inter- these candid player interviews where they're answering all these crazy questions he just kind of said throughout April 30th and I thought wait a minute I thought the public NHL announcement was the 15th um, so I had to rewind it and listen to it again and yeah he said the 30th so I was wondering if the players or maybe just the organizations have their own kind of thing they're sticking to but you're right in places where they haven't had a statewide mandatory thing and they're doing stuff county by county. Who knows? I mean, who knows? Honestly, the April 15th, it's going to get extended again. I mean, of there's course. no, there's no doubt about that. But the last thing I heard officially from the NHL was it was the 15th. Yeah. So, so, um, and then on top of that, uh, what was I going to say? Um, uh, should the NHL come back, though, uh, they're talking about neutral zone, excuse me, neutral zone, neutral link, uh, new, oh God, let me start over. The NHL is now discussing neutral rink locations if play resumes, since it's going to be difficult with scheduling. Lots of junior and AHL rinks are going to be in high demand. So, yeah, okay, we're going to party like it's 1994, because this is the return of the neutral site game. Remember those? Yes. Remember the You'll Quebec have... Nordiques and the Montreal Canadiens playing in Arizona for some reason? Sure. You're going to have hockey games in North Dakota and um, places in Minnesota where you wouldn't normally expect it. And just maybe a game in Idaho or two. 
Who knows? No, they're just going to put all the game. Whoever won Craft Hockeyville, they're just going to run all the games there. So he's like, guess what? That's... You guys are going to host the next 138 NHL games that we need to make up. <laughs> well, I guess it'd be good for the venue, but they're going to have to do a remodel after it's all over. I would just want to be a kid again, with a bake sale, you know, right there. there. You go. Yeah, there you go. Be Hi, Mr. Thornton, please buy my cookies. They support my Boy Scout troop. Stand outside and sell candy bars. That'd be a once in a lifetime uh, opportunity right there. Well, you know, I'll tell you this, and I know these are not the same thing. I mean, I've been to a lot of NHL games. I've been to a lot of AHL games, although I've only been to ones in Chicago. So Chicago Wolves and Chicago Blackhawks. Um, You've been to Rockford, haven't you? I've never gone to Rockford. Really? I'm surprised. It's not that far. Yeah, but it's because it's a day far, trip, but, and, and it's yeah. like uh, it's like four hours there, four hours back, and it's just be a lot of um. <clears throat> actually, I'll tell you this: the Chicago Wolves Booster Club were planning a trip to Rockford, where they were gonna, you know, have a bus. We'd all meet up. The bus would take us there. The bus would take us back. Um, it was. I want to say it was. I don't, I don't know what, what day or time the game was, but that got canceled because obviously because of what's going on. But yeah, that was something I was actually looking into. I'm like, well, this would be kind of fun to go to Rockford and then, you know, and then come back with all the, the Wolves fans that go there, you know, because the Rockford Ice Hogs, of course, are like the Wolves' number one rival because, you know, for those who don't know, Rockford Ice Hogs are the affiliate of the Chicago Blackhawks. The Chicago Wolves are the affiliate right now of the Vegas... Um, golden Knights, but that's going to change next season because vegas is going to have its own ahl team but it's funny going to wolves games because you'll have people who are like hardline blackhawk fans and they will cheer against the wolves and cheer for the ice hogs and then you have the older fans like me who remember who remember too far back and you're like no i'm sorry i can't cheer for the minor league blackhawks because when the blackhawks treated us like us fans not so well the wolves were there for us. The wolves always treated us right. You know what I mean? So I, I can't be like, sorry, Chicago wolves. I'm going to cheer against you because the Blackhawks are nice to me now. So I'm going to cheer for their team, which is called the ice hogs. And they have a pig as a mascot. I mean, anyway, Pigs can skate. if they can fly, they can skate. But anyway, so getting back, so you, um, you said you were only you've only been to a Wolves game. That's the only minor league game you've been to. Been to Wolves games, but what I was going to say was, I remember Man, when they, I can't believe I've been to more minor league games than you have. That's you moved that's, around a bit. That's shocking to hear. I've been. Well, I've I seen think the, sheer quantity, I would beat you. But I think if we're talking oh, yeah, about probably. different, you know, like I, mean, I saw the Indianapolis Ice play years and years and years ago. I've seen What's the Fort Wayne thing? Comets. Okay, wow, nice. I've I've seen I've seen lots of uh, lots of e games, uh, Wheeling Nailers, um, the old uh, Vegas Wranglers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were in the ECHL, and I don't know if you remember this little league that existed back in oh, how long ago? Ten years, maybe more. Uh, they were called the uh, All American Hockey League. Um, it was I a don't remember that. Yeah, minor to the minor to the minor to the minor. Uh, the the Chi Town Shooters. 
was the name of the local team that was right here where I live. And they used to play at the Midwest Ice and Training Center uh, that's actually in Dyer, Indiana. Wait, Chi-Town uh, is Chicago. Yes. But we're 40 minutes from downtown, so we're not that far away. Um, okay. But, uh, yeah, they used to broadcast the games on WJOB, and they had uh, – the stadium seating was obviously like the like the typical small time rinks where it's only on one side and mm-hmm. there's not fans on both sides because it's not a huge arena. But uh, mm. I remember they they won the the first ever Rod Davidson Cup. Nice. By beating uh, the Battle Creek Revolution. Wow. Back in 2009. So. Wow. That is minor yeah. to the minor. Yes, it was, but they were, they were entertaining and it was local, but they only lasted like two years. That was it. So I had some point about going to minor league games and I lost that point. I think what I was going to say is I remember, I remember my local rink, one of the rinks that I uh, sometimes play hockey at hosting um, a Chicago Wolves game. It was the Wolves versus the, um, I don't know if it was the Houston Arrows or the Iowa Wild. It was... It, it was whatever team, it was a team that was affiliated with the Wild at the time, so they had Wild colors, but I can't remember if it was still Houston or if it was Iowa Wild. But either way, it was fun to, I mean, it was like, you know, I'm just at my local rink and the tickets were like 10 bucks and you just sit wherever. And some people were like literally just standing along the glass in the corner, you know, wherever they could sit or stand. And it was just kind of like, Obviously, it wasn't much of a moneymaker. It was a preseason game, but it was just fun as hell to be at like a local rink and like yeah. be watching like two AHL teams beat the shit out of each other. Because, I mean, this was literally like this was training camp. This was preseason. So these guys were all fighting for jobs. And I mean, I remember um, literally, probably literally, too. No, literally, there were yeah. fights. And I remember, right. um, the uh, ex-Blackhawks, Steve Popst, who was uh, one of our uh, assistant coaches in Rockford, he had taken that the head coaching job for the, the Wild affiliate. And so I remember him, like, literally, like, they had some things kind of roped off so fans couldn't get to it, like the locker rooms and stuff. But I remember him, like, walking right by me um, to get to the, one of the locker rooms that... I would change in when I played one of my beer league games and I just, you know, I stuck out my hand and I said, Steve, congratulations on, on the, the coaching job. Thank you for, you know, like, I didn't say like, thank you for your service, but I just said, you know, thanks for being a part of the Blackhawks for so long and good luck on your next, you know, good luck. And he's like, Oh, thank you. I don't even remember if I shook hands, but you know, just a nice little exchange. Cause you're never that close to the coaches. And I'm just like, Hey, I know this dude. <laughs> he played for the Hawks in like the yeah. early two thousands when they were abysmal, but he was just like, you know, an honest hard. He was probably happy. Player. You even knew who he was. Well, I knew who he was, but you know, that's, that's I what mean, I'm saying. most people probably have been like, I don't know who that guy is. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, hardcore I fans like yourself would know. Well, but anyway, so he- going to like a minor league game at a local rink was fun. Obviously, that wouldn't work for the NHL, but yeah, if they have to go smaller, that's fine because if they're playing games, well, look, if they're playing games, make up games in July, they're not going to fill the United Center. I mean, maybe the Blackhawks would, but eh, you know, at that point, or if they're just playing like games to pl- be played. But there's still a, like a quarantine, kind of like well, when they were exactly it. empty it, arena games. 
Right. And it raises that question is, okay, let's say they do get to start. Are we still going back to empty arenas? That's a possibility. It's a strong possibility, I would think, is still playing in front of an empty empty um, building. You know, essential personnel only, maybe a few people here and there. Scatter some folks in the crowd. From that, though, because the league needs the ticket money, the teams need the ticket money. They do, but I mean, do you want no revenue or do you want what little television and radio revenue there is? I mean, look, players are already talking about foregoing some of their salary, like end of year paychecks and things like that, just in order to have enough money in escrow. Because there's that word again. I know I brought it up the last time we talked. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get into the details of it because it's extremely confusing for somebody that's not involved in it. Um, but it, I mean, if you're, if you're listening and wondering what the hell I'm talking about, look it up, look up the NHL players association, look up the CBA and look up what the escrow entails. And it's this big, long drawn out thing. And there's lots of ifs, ands or buts about it, but essentially it boils down to it's a chunk of change for the players. Mm -hmm. And you know, if the revenue is not there, neither is the escrow and that that's a problem. So I mean, I don't know. It's it's still a up in the air thing, and it's all of us just speculating and pretending like we know what's going on. I don't envy the people in charge. Let's put it that way. Let's talk about those Sportnet interviews because I remember yeah. watching a, a few highlights of one with like uh, where they asked um, Jonathan Taves, like who would you want to room with and who would you not want to room with, and I and he said. I would not, he's like, I would want a room with Corey Crawford because he's just like the most chill guy. And he's yeah. like, and I would and I would not want a room with Patrick Kane because I roomed with him for five years and he's just, you know, very energetic. He's, and, you know, he, he said there's a, a lot guy. of history there is what he said. He said there's a lot of history there. I just don't want to get into right now. And I'm no, thinking, ooh, dirty gossip. <laughs> Somebody's got to dig that out. Yeah, so, can't wait till the book is written in 15 years from now. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, those those interviews are if you haven't if you haven't checked those out or got a chance to, they're all over YouTube or you can go to Sportsnet and watch them. Um it's basically um I don't know, are they using Zoom or some other app, I guess. I think they're um, using Zoom. Is it Zoom? Okay. You have a moderator that's asking questions um that are essentially provided by others. Um, a lot of them are predicated upon, Hey, this is a question from so-and-so at, from the Washington post, or this is a question from yada, yada at, you know, whatever sports organization from ESPN or something. Um, so they're all pre pre done questions, but a lot of them focus on kind of the same things. And you got four guys on screen, basically at their houses or various wherever locations they're locked down at, uh, just answering these questions like kind of candidly. And you hope that more comes out other than the pucks in deep answers. And there's a lot of this pucks in deep answers, shockingly enough. Give 110%. Even, even, even though you got the guys laid back and in their own homes and everything, you still get that. But some of these interviews are pretty pretty entertaining and they get guys chirping at each other, which is kind of funny. So they, they are entertaining to watch. Most of them are fairly long. They're 15, 20 minutes. 
A um, couple of them are push a half hour, but uh, they are entertaining. If you got nothing to do and you want something on in the background, it's good. Plus, no, you I get to see a... Ryan Getzloff's chicken coop if you watch that interview that he built. Um, this could be this could be a job for Jeremy Roenick. Dude, who would not love to have a chat with him via Zoom or Skype or whatever? I mean, he's not working for NBC right now, and there's no games. Yeah, I think he's. Uh, I think what he's going to be doing next is still in the works, and it'll be dropped on us probably if the NHL resumes. I think he's got something big going. I don't hmm. know. I'm just speculating. Yeah, well, he's not going to stay out. He's not going to stay out for long. The only thing that 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 bothers me, not bothers me, but I mean, change, I don't want to change the subject to Ronick because I could I could talk about Ronick for an hour because he was one of my favorite players. Um, but he was like already at the top. I mean, if you think about it, where do you go from NBC? The only place you could go higher than NBC, I think, would be CBC Hockey Night in Canada, right? Like to me, you'd have that to would go be, to one of the. You'd have to go to one of the Canadian organizations because, let's face it, the United States has no hockey coverage other than NBC Sports. Right. I mean, you look at uh, well, you look at like say Kevin Weeks, right? He went from um, NHL Network. Oh wait, no, he's with the NHL Network now. Correct. Yes. Sorry, I'm, I'm th- but I'm thinking about like how um, uh, all those guys know. recycle though. They do guest appearances and everything else all around. Oh yeah, yeah, but. yeah. I mean, you, you have Daryl Ray doing the the Dallas Stars games, and then he's you know doing like TSN games. Um, right. And it's and yeah, so so they move around. Yeah, I get it. And it's same with like Eddie Olchek, like. You know, most of you know Eddie Olchek as doing the NBC games with Doc Emmerich, but he's also like the go-to color commentator for the Blackhawks. I mean, he'll do a Blackhawk game on Tuesday and then an NBC game of the week on Wednesday, and then he'll do a Blackhawk game on Friday, and then he'll be back Sunday doing an NBC game. I mean, he's just, you know, so it's funny. I could I could watch three Blackhawk games and two just non-Blackhawk games, and all five of them could have color commentary by Eddie Olchek because he just moves around right. so much. So and him, and Do- a- him and Doc work together really well, which is why I think he gets those those jobs a lot. So Yeah, well, well Olchek, I mean, he really did well for himself. I mean, after um, losing the job as, as the Penguins coach, I mean, he's, and, and I'm... Yeah. yeah. I'm happy for him because... I think, see, here's the thing about coaching versus being a, a commentator. I, both are going to be really hard jobs with lots of long hours and lots of travel. I think the thing with coaching is that, like, your chance, obviously the, the, the ceiling for glory is much higher, but the pressure is much higher. Like, you'll make more money being an NHL coach, and you could win the Stanley Cup or you could win the Jack Adams Award, but also when that axe falls, it, it falls pretty hard. Or, like, or you could just be, like, a color commentator, and, you you know, you make good money, maybe not, like, head coaching good money, but, like, you make good money, and nobody's, like, going to fire you if you mess up. Like a little yeah. mess up. I don't mean like Jeremy Roenick mess up. I mean like when uh, I remember Doc Emmerich calling um, one of the women's games, and he ref- there there's a, uh, a a USA women's player named Jocelyn Lamoureux, 
And he said, Jocelyn Lemieux. And of course, I started laughing because I remember Jocelyn Lemieux as a Blackhawk. I have one of his game-used sticks autographed by him in my collection. And so I bust out laughing. And he's like, Emmerich's like, my apologies. I said Jocelyn Lemieux, but he played in the 90s. I meant Jocelyn Lamoureux of the U.S. team. And I'm just, you know. Little mistakes like that are a little different than... uh basically saying you were having a threesome with a co-worker on no he didn't say he was he said that he. Would, i know he was kidding around he I, was I, saying I that he wouldn't he wouldn't we've, say no to it right we've discussed that i know right i'm just i was just making that was actually right. one of our most listened to podcasts by the way really well we really? talked about ronick oh interesting yeah yeah it had it had a lot of a lot of a lot of plays well all I can say is about those interviews, if you get a chance to watch them, do so. I know the last one that I have not watched yet is the Patrick Marlowe, Austin Matthews, uh, Mitch Marner interview. There's only three of them in that one, but apparently they go on later and play the NHL pause newlywed game. So oh, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen that one yet, but I will say that uh, <clears throat> despite the um, quarantining and everything else. Uh, Austin Matthews is still maintaining the uh, uh, porn stash. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so, so uh, from what I understand, the um, NHL players, the consensus is Tiger Tiger King is the thing to watch on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much uh, one of the questions that goes around to all of them is, "What are you binging right now on TV?" And. Uh, <laughs> I would say eight out of ten are bring up the Tiger King. So have not seen it. Probably gonna binge it. I'm yeah. probably the next they're, show. They're I'm dropping binge. a new episode this week, by the way. Supposedly. Well, the show that I'm gonna binge next is either gonna be Tiger King or Star Trek Picard because uh CBS All Access is is giving a free month. Here here's Promo all I'll say. Here here's all I'll say about Tiger King. Yep. Go into it with an open mind, knowing that what you're about to witness is the biggest train wreck you've ever seen. Mm. And don't expect to walk out of it feeling like you think you should feel that one of those people is a hero or a good guy. Mm. Because none of them are. They're all awful. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. I won't spoil the rest. So... What's this now about the uh, the Rangers? They had a Zoom meeting, and it didn't go uh, so well. Unfortunately, no. I mean, the there's horrible. As I just said, there's horrible people in this world. Um, the Rangers had a Zoom meeting for fans to talk to one of their new prospects, uh, Keandre Miller, um, and essentially, like many Zoom meetings are now, because it's being it's a it's a software program that. I don't know that they anticipated was going to be the most widely used um, virtual meeting software Um, because obviously when you're a company and you create that software, you're targeting businesses. You don't expect a global pandemic to cause everyone to want to use your software. So of course it's now popular. So it's being hacked and it's being targeted. And that's happening all over the place. And this meeting apparently got hijacked by some a-hole who spent the better part of the interview throwing out 
racial slurs and the n-word constantly um i mean it was it, it was unfortunate and it, it it's very embarrassing for the fan base but you can honestly tell you that that guy is not indicative of the rangers fan base at all so don't get me wrong i'm not trying to say that ranger fans are racist because he is just one scumbag that fell through the cracks um but i mean it was just crazy the way the whole thing went down um the fbi is apparently involved now too so i don't know what that's all about because i haven't read any more about that but i did see the video and it was it made me uncomfortable so I I uh I have not seen the video and yeah, you'll have um to check it out. It'll I've piss actually you off, been <clears throat> I I've been uh, avoiding the use of Zoom actually. Um I was looking into it um and actually um I've done some training on how to use it because um as many of you know I'm a college teacher and our college classes we we uh during the the last quarter uh after week 10 then the next week was finals week and then at the end right before the end of week 10 they're like you know what we're we're canceling finals week figure out how to give your students online or don't we don't care we just don't want people at the school and then um or don't we don't care or they didn't phrase it like that but they were kind of like saying like they gave us all these different options and one of them was like well make the test online. And I'm like, wait, I had all these written tests that I had photocopied and stapled and ready to go for Monday morning. <laughs> and I'm like, well, can't use yeah. these. And and right. then so I just decided to cancel the test. And I just said, you know what, your final project's going to be worth more. But then they're like, okay, well now you could do zoom training because the next quarter is going to be from first. They're like, you can come to school and you can use the rooms. The rooms are all set up for, um, recording you know the lectures and then they're like nope nope we don't want anybody at the school unless you're essential stay home and you're going to do everything from home and here's you know and then i did a couple of different training seminars and then they're talking about zoom and this and that and i'm like all right i might use this i might not and then i'm thinking oh man i got 30 students i don't think i'm really going to want to do a class with 30 students Maybe I'll just record my lecture ahead of time, or maybe I'll use something else or whatever. And then I had a student warn me, a student, one of my students said, oh, you know what? I work for this department and I'm always setting up meetings and Zoom bombing is the thing that you should know about. And yeah, like, that's what it was called. I couldn't think of the term, but that's what they're and calling it, Zoom like, bombing. This is a thing. Okay. Yeah. And then, then I hear about it on the news a couple days later and I feel smug because I already heard about it and I knew about it. I'm like, oh, oh, yes, of course, Zoom bombing. Doesn't everybody know about Zoom bombing? Right. And I mean, some of it is just, I mean, some of it is just people hacking into meetings or hacking into classes because it's being used a lot for education. And they'll like show a pornographic image or something to obviously upset everybody else. Um, but then you've had like, churches and synagogues uh doing sermons and then like somebody hacking in and, and saying anti-semitic things so i mean this is becoming a real serious problem so i'm, I'm not surprised right. that the fbi is involved and obviously they need to do something about this much quicker zoom needs to do something about it because i invite you to a zoom meeting and i say here's the link 
and then you forward that link to 50 people, and they forward it to 50 people, some asshole's going to end up with that link and say, hmm, maybe I could do Or not even that, it's that sometimes the links are just a a random code, right? Yeah, we use it it at my job. Huh? We use it at my job every day. Really? Uh, we, We used to use Microsoft Teams. But with the teams, they've never created a way where you can view more than four people on the screen at once. So they were looking for a way that everybody could be on the screen. That so we so look like the damn Brady Bunch. So we use Zoom because everybody can pop up on the screen all at the same time. And so we've been using that. But the recommendations now, they, they've actually changed the software to create um, waiting rooms in all of the Zoom meetings. So unless you have the specific code to get in, um, you can't get in unless you're invited by whoever the moderator is. Okay. Uh, and th- they've also started recommending you password protect them, which I mean, obviously then you'd have to send out the password so people could get in. Uh, and it foregoes the code that you're talking about. But yeah, I get an email every morning. Hey, our meetings at this time. Here's the code. Here's the link. So, and we've been using it. Obviously we're small time. We haven't been hacked yet, but who knows? I find it annoying though that the companies always push back on the customers. They always use the word users, the users, right? The users. I don't like the word user when talking about like website users. I call them website visitors, not website users because users are losers, right? Um, And don't do drugs. But um, no, seriously, I don't like that term because user always implies some sort of a, a unhealthy relationship with the product that's being used right like so i don't like to call people who use a website users and people who use zoom as users their customers right but it's always like oh well you should do this and it's like no dipshit you should make this foolproof you guys are the billionaires or millionaires or really smart people doing this programming right and they always push it it was like perfect example 20 years ago when my mom got aol and somehow her email got hacked and it was being used to send spam and AOL basically threatened to to kick my mom off of AOL and she's like I swear to god I don't know what happened I don't understand any of this stuff and they're blaming her for it and they're saying well you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to do that and they're assuming that everybody has like a master's degree in technology and that they're going to understand all these things that they're talking about. You know what I mean? The people using zoom, they are not technology people. They are business people. They are people like you who you work with technology, but you don't work in technology. If that makes sense. Yeah. I knew nothing about zoom other than what it was from the commercials on TV, but it was just an alternative that we were looking for so that everybody could be actively participating versus one at a time or, you know, four at a time or whatever, um, we, which we still use the Teams app to communicate like instantly, like messages mm-hmm. back and forth and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. as far as the actual meetings, we go to the we go to Zoom for now on because that's what we found. So that's what seems to be working for us. But like I said, we're small time. It's not like we have seven thousand employees that we're trying to communicate with. Um, but we're all working from home, so we got to communicate somehow. Did you get your desk cleaned off yet of all the cards? Oh, wait, you moved recently. So yeah, you even had a chance to put the cards back onto your desk. Yeah, I have, I, have a, I have a new table or surface area that they're covering. 
that's that's away from my workspace. That's nice. That's healthy. So, that's good to have boundaries. Yes, I do. I'm so surrounded can, by it all around, but it's not right specifically on the desk. So speaking of cards, can we move to card news or is there something else you Perfect. wanted us to talk about? Yeah. All right. Well, so let's go. First, I want to talk just real quick about people the, like to uh, hear about cards more than they hear about anything else too, I think. Well, I think they could talk uh I, I think they could get their NHL talk from I don't know, spitting chiclets or any one of the other, you know, thousands of hockey podcasts out there. But um, I like to talk about the NHL stuff, too. Um, yeah. I mean, for, for what it's worth. I mean, that's the reason why we collect the cards. So. Absolutely right. Uh, so the National in Atlantic City, New Jersey, uh, for those of you who might remember last week, Tim brought up that the National was uh, being converted by, excuse me, not the National, the Convention Center in Atlantic City, New Jersey, which is going to be the site of the National at the end of July and early August. Well, FEMA is converting the Convention Center into a field hospital because it is close to a hospital and it is close to the expressway. So it was a perfect place for a field hospital. Now, and that was announced around March 23rd or so, because then I went and I looked it up and I read up on it because I'm like, why would they pick that place of all places, right? And they're, they're actually doing four field hospitals in New Jersey. New Jersey has the second most cases of COVID-19 after New York City. Of course, you get a lot of people commuting from New Jersey to New York, so not a surprise. But if you think about that, they have the second most cases of COVID-19 in the United States. Now, um, as of March 30th, the National uh, put on their website, and I'm reading this uh, press release, not a press release, just a short paragraph. There are no plans to cancel, reschedule the 41st National Sports Collectors Convention at this time. We will continue to listen to federal and state guidelines before making a decision regarding what steps to take next. Alternative plans are being addressed by show management should the original dates be deemed unsafe for our attendees and exhibitors. We will provide more information as we get closer to the event. Okay, fair enough. They're being optimistic. But at this point, I'm thinking once the site of your show becomes a hospital. I mean, and you hope that it doesn't get used. You hope that people get better and that they don't need, you know what I mean? Like you don't, you're not saying, okay, good, a hospital. Let's get some people in there. I mean, th this is for, you know, either for people who it's are a recuperating. Plan. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a backup plan. I mean, they're doing the same thing in Chicago. We have a convention center called McCormick Place and that's being Oh, that's converted. what they did with McCormick? Yeah, McCormick places. Oh, I didn't know that. See, I I've I've swore off the news because I it's nothing but bad, and so I don't watch the news anymore. So that was news I to me. You know what? I about every three or four days I don't watch the news. I just it I get an, I, it. It's enough, and I just can't t take it. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. like that's why I don't want to watch it because it's all bad. But speaking of McCormick Place, and this is off subject. Well, kind of is subject. That's where I went to my very first national when right. I was at you McCormick Place. Used to be at McCormick Place, right? So, yeah. so you're familiar with it. I am very familiar. Uh, what do you think about though? Like, okay, let's say this starts to wind down and they don't need that field hospital anymore, and they get it converted back to its normal space. Now, I've never been to the Atlantic City Convention Center, 
But I'm thinking, if they're out of there by July 15th, are they still going to do a show, a show July 30th? I, honestly, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's such a big show, and it's such a high-profile show, and there's so many people that, that have to turn to get that thing working that here, here, here's, here's the way I look at it. In order for this to, to, to go off and go off the way it's supposed to, number one, you're going to have to have the dealer support to show up, right? Because the entire show floor, well, I shouldn't say the entire show floor, the vast majority of it, if you've ever been to a national, I would say 70% of it are dealers from all across the country and uh, in the U.S. and Canada, okay? The other 10% of it, uh, I would say is the autograph section. Mm-hmm. And the other 10% of it would be the vendor, the, the actual card manufacturers. And the other 10% would be the breakers. So that's how pretty much the things break broken down. So number one, you'd have to have the bulk of the dealers on board. Okay. And I think a lot of dealers for lack of a better word, a lot of dealers make their nut off of the national because it's, it's, I mean, that's where the high rollers are coming and that's where they're going to spend their money because that's where they know they can find the stuff they're looking for. So you got to have them on board. Number two, you have to have all the manufacturers willing to set up shop because the one big draw that brings people in is the fact that you can show up on any given day, walk up to an upper deck booth and get free stuff, walk up to tops and get free stuff, walk up to Panini and get free stuff. The other thing is you've got to have breakers that are set up and capable of being able to bus product for five days straight while the national hours are running. And Panini just announced that they're not shipping product anymore because their manufacturing facility in Texas is shut down. Wow. So they're done shipping product. So everybody's going to have product to break in their own inventory now, or they're not going to have it without buying it from another reseller. And you know, for a fact that breakers aren't going to buy from other resellers because then they can't make any money off of it. And what's the point at that point? So, and, and the other thing are autograph guests. Look, when the Chicago show was going to happen, you saw leading up to it in the two weeks leading up to it, all those autograph guests, a couple hundred of them throughout the weekend. One, one, one says it's not coming. Another one, another one drops, another one drops. And throughout the days for the next five days, you had four or five each day say, we're not coming. We're not coming. We're not coming. Well, you're talking for about whatever the, reason or another, the, the yeah, Chicago show that was going to yeah, happen. For the Chicago show that was going to happen in March. Well, well, I, now you have to... this whole pandemic that's now been blown to DEFCON 1, right? Isn't 5 worse than 1? I think 1's worse than 5. I think it goes the other way. But I could be wrong. I don't know. But you understand the point. 1's good, 1's bad. Whatever the Whatever the number is that's bad is what I'm referring to. But you have it at that level now. Now you're going to try to put on a show where you have three times the amount of autograph guests and not just sports people, but people from all, all walks of life coming in to make an appearance and sign autographs. I think a ton of them are going to be like, nope. And then if they hear the publicity of 
hey, we're going to go do this national and you're going to sign autographs for a couple hours on a Saturday. Oh, by the way, this was supposed to be a COVID field hospital. Whether it was or not, nope, I'm out. No, if it was supposed to be, that's one thing. But if it was, that's another thing. Well, that's a totally different thing. But even the fact that it's supposed to be, it's going to get into people's heads. So I don't know that you're going to be able to garner the participation. And I could be wrong. It could be they lift the ban on this tomorrow and everybody goes out and parties like it's 1999. And then the economy's great and everything's booming and everybody shows up to every event. That'd be fantastic, but I don't see it happening that way. I think I think people are going to still be cautious, and I think you're going to get a lot of people that normally would have made those trips and uh, and went, um, paid for the hotels, flew in the planes, traveled across the country or whatever. I think you're going to end up with a lot of those people that just basically say, you know what, there's another national next year, and it's in Chicago. More accommodations available, more things to do more places to stay, more things to see. Let's go there instead. That's just my opinion. No, and I I agree with all of that. One thing, though, I just want to correct you on is that uh, the Chicago uh, Sports Spectacular that was taking place in the middle of March, or that was set to take place, there were actually 100 autograph guests, and it was a total of 21 that dropped out. But And that was all, like, in the week leading up to it. That's 21%. Yeah, no, you're so, you're absolutely right. It, that's a lot, and it was a lot. A lot of them were older player, uh, ex players in their sixties and seventies. The most notable one was uh, Mitch Trubisky had dropped out, and I thought, all right, well, now we have like a young guy. Like I could see like the sixty-eight year old ex NFL player saying, "I'm old. I don't want to travel. This isn't safe. I'm high risk category." But once you had started having somebody who's charging $200 an autograph, and he doesn't need the money, but it's a lot of money that he was going to make on that. Actually, he doesn't set the, the athletes most of the time, they don't set the autograph price. They they set a flat fee, and then the promoter sets yeah, the per autograph price. But it's based still, off I mean, the, the contract with the, it's based off the contract with the autograph company and the promoter. Right. So, but, but whatever, anyways, whatever they're paying them, they add their fees to that. Yeah. And I don't want to speculate that the show's not going to happen, but I'm starting to think it's not going to happen just based on one, New Jersey being the second most infected state, and two, the convention center um, being converted to a field hospital. I don't, I, and I can't see them saying, hey, just make sure you have all the patients out by the end of July because we got a baseball card show happening. Yeah. And I mean, even if they don't have to use it, it's still, I, I don't know. We'll talk see. To me, I guess we'll talk see. Talk to me about this Morgan Frost fellow. Uh, okay. Hockey player. All right. Morgan Frost. He's a prospect for the Flyers. Um, played a few games. This season, um, he's a highly touted prospect. People are kind of hyping him up. He's a pretty good player. Um, but uh, kind of a controversy popped up uh, first off of Facebook, and then it carried over to Twitter, um, where Upper Deck actually intervened and made comments on their own behalf. Uh, essentially what boils down to is uh, Morgan Frost bailed and went home. Um <laughs> to wherever his home is. Um, and I'm not going to, you know, 
reveal where the guy lives or anything like that. But he disappeared and a cleaner or cleaning company or whatever they're called. Essentially, the people that come in and empty out storage facilities and do all that kind of kind of stuff. They were cleaning out his garage. Um, and I don't know how the specific company works that did did his location, but a lot of times these guys do it for fairly cheap um, with the with the guys that they're going to essentially keep stuff that that they find. Um, well, they found a package from Upper Deck that included a lot of cards and some instructions on how to autograph these cards, including what types of pens to use and how to sign and so on and so forth, all addressed to Mr. Frost. Well, all of the cards that were in there were all of his cards for Upper Deck release, um, including all of the numbered ones and the one of ones were all in these boxes. So now they're in this posse- the possession of the salvage company, right? Um, so somebody on Facebook actually posted that they found this on the salvage company's website, and they're like, uh, could this be for real? You think this is legit? Blah, blah, blah. And, of course, that snowballed like it does on social media, and people jumped on board, and they're like, I'm pretty sure they're not allowed to have these. Like, that's one of those things where if found, please return to owner under federal law kind of thing, um, which I'm exaggerating on that. But Upper Deck, I guess, got involved and reached out, found who the salvage company was, talked to them, essentially worked. They must have worked something out on the back end that said, hey, these need to be returned to us. They made an announcement that said, hey, never fear. We're getting these back. We're going to re-release them, get them signed, and we'll put them in another product later on down the, down the road. So, um you know, they were actually reported to Upper Deck as being lost. So as far as they knew, cards were gone anyway. But then when they turn up, obviously a company doesn't want to see those things out in the wild. So. No. Yeah. So the. Uh, so they got them back. The efforts are in place to, to return them. I don't know if that's happened yet, but that that was where I just, you know, moved out of the conversation was after uh, Upper Deck basically said yeah we're working on it so Mm. um you know it it was really weird situation and i i mean i don't know if morgan frost actually has anything to do with it per se maybe he had them he moved he put them in storage thinking he remembered where they were and forgot upper deck said hey where's those cards you asked us to sign he's like oh crap i don't remember what i did with them i lost them blah 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 and then here we are. So I don't blame him or anybody else. So I'm I'm glad Upper Deck's going to get him back because obviously that raises a whole another set of questions as to the whole chain chain of command or chain of custody, I should say, mm-hmm. where that stuff you know from the point of it being sent to the athlete to the athlete signing to seeing whether or not the athlete did sign to sending the product back, you know. Raises a lot of questions, so this, this definitely shed shed some light on the process a little bit, which I think a lot of people were very curious as to how this would be resolved. So, 
Yeah, I know um, sometimes, I mean, I remember a card dealer that I uh, remember. I still know him. I know a card dealer who told me about one time when he was, um, he was basically Wait, if they're called card dealers, are we called card users? I know you don't like to use that. Card collectors. (laughs) Oh, okay. Since they're dealers, we're the users, right? Users are losers. Well, I always make jokes about that. Like, oh, it's my dealer. <laughs> it's my right. card dealer. Exactly. Um, but one one card dealer I knew in particular, he worked for Upper Deck as a proxy because he's in Chicago and he needed a witness, Michael Hanzoos, signing some cards or whatever. And this is this was the year that Hanzoos... Not the first time Hanzoos played for... No, it was the first time Hanzoos played for the Blackhawks. Not the second time when he was part of a Stanley Cup winning team, but the first time, uh, 06-07 season. Like, he was was with the team briefly. He got hurt. He didn't play the rest of the season. And then I think he went and signed with the Kings after that. Um, But he's just like, oh, yeah, I I had to... You know, I went to a hotel and, and... Hanzoos was there and you know like a neutral site i guess and and uh he signed these cards and i'm like oh okay that's how it's done upper deck hires a local person to watch the player sign the cards yeah and that's why i i think that what's what raised the question is why does this guy have these and there wasn't somebody there when he was supposed to sign them and they were the one that kept it you know the cup right. doesn't go anywhere without Phil, right? So, right. you know, if you're going to have these cards that are supposedly guaranteed to be signed by the player involved and they're witnessed by a employee or a member of the whatever company's team, well, then you better make sure that that's the case because I don't know how you can then guarantee the autograph. I, mean, I, yeah. I don't know how, how I don't know another way like somebody signs a thing under penalties of perjury I swear this is my signature I don't know how that works so help me Dak Prescott yeah I swear under penalties of perjury that there's a pen that automatically signs my name yes you can, no, an automatic I... an automatic ballpoint pen yeah exactly yeah so um Big topic. Oh, actually, before we get to our big topic, uh, I just want to talk real quick about Upper Deck's game-dated moments. So I wanted to bring this up last week. So now these cards are sold out, but what's interesting is that last week Upper Deck decided to shift their game-dated moments to the past because there's nothing present going on. So they start going to these like greatest moments in hockey history things for cards. So card 61. I believe they call them all-time game-dated moments. All right. Is the name of them. So, card 61 March, uh, harkens back to March 17, 2009. Martin Broder earns 552nd career win, moves into first place on NHL's all time win list. You know who he did that against? Um, Come on, it's no, only one of two teams. But I'm sure you're going to tell me. The Blackhawks. Oh, I was watching that game. I was watching that game at a, a Blackhawk watch party at a bar. It was a road game. Oh, no, wait. No, that was a home game, but it was still a watch party. And I remember watching that game, and I remember just like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. This is the game where he se- he sets his record against the Blackhawks. <laughs> well, I mean, 
You want to make yeah. history, at least your team's involved with the making of the history. Sure. And then uh, uh, card 62, March 19th, 2015, Yarmir Yager scores 718th career goal, moves into sole position of fifth place on NHL's all-time goal list. Did you buy that card? I did not. For your, your Yager collection? I did not. Because my thought process was, well, I've picked a lot of these up secondarily, so there's a good chance that I might be able to nab this one as well. And then I saw how many actually were sold. And I was like, damn, I probably how should many? have got 184. Like 184? That's it. Versus wow, so- over 900 for the David Ayers one. So. Oh no, the David Ayers one is is in, the amount that that was insane. Yeah, I mean, I bought like five of them. Really? Which reminds me, I gotta have them shipped to me. Yeah, yeah. I gotta have them. I gotta have I them know. shipped. I know they're available to ship now. They they cleared that a couple yep. weeks ago, um, but I don't know if I don't know. Are they shipping? I don't know. I'm not sure. So anyway, but so week twenty. Week twenty five is sold out. That was card sixty one, sixty two. Now this week, week twenty six. Um, card number, uh, card 63, March 31st, 2004, Mark Messier scores goal, shares emotional farewell in NHL, final NHL game. <laughs> the Moose. Yeah, the you moose, can still get... The Moose is retired. I think he's, you can still get that one, right? That one hasn't yeah, yeah. been retired that one, yet, so... And then the other one, card 64, April 1, 2015, and I'm quoting this, this is what it says... Penguins captain records 300th career NHL goal. Penguins captain. Uh-huh. Can't they say Sidney Crosby? Am I missing something here? It says Sidney Crosby on the card. It says Crosby Crosby becomes 100 and whatever. Blah, blah, blah. They didn't show, like, I'm looking, I'm looking at the Upper Deck blog post and they didn't say they didn't show a picture of the card. They only showed the oh, Mark really? Messier card. They only showed oh, the Mark okay. Messier card. Yeah. Well, the Crosby card, I've seen it, and it's Crosby like standing there. I don't know if he's just scored a goal or it actually kind of looked like he's standing there chirping at the referee, which mm. would be fitting. Um, but it says Crosby becomes 18th active player, 186th in NHL history to score 300 goals in the first period against Philly. Mm. Of course, um, to be has, against. Yeah, and it has him kind of standing there with his arms to his side. Like, it literally looks like he's talking to somebody or yelling at somebody or maybe complaining. I don't know. He doesn't complain like he used to. But it was April 1st, 2015 is what the date was on that. Yes. Yeah. So. So, okay. So, that's the, those are some current or some new hockey cards coming out as far as the print-on-demand sets. Um, I bet the Crosby will sell more than the... Uh, the Yager did. Wow, 180. Yeah, and the right now the the Crosby and Messier both have sold like 130 some. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean they're on pace to to out to outdo the Yager one. But yeah, I don't know. I mean the Brodeur one sold a little more than that. But I mean, yeah, nothing like uh, the Ebug card. Over 900 of those are in people's collections. So I don't know if there might have been even more than that that people have already dumped out of their collections, but that's just what's out there in the wild right now. Hmm. 
So when Tim and I brainstorm about what cards to talk about, I mean, obviously we talk about new cards and then we talk about like, you know, oh, what old set do we want to talk about? Let's talk about something from the 90s. Let's talk about something from the 80s. Let's And actually, we need to we need to revisit the 70s because we had a request. Somebody requested, hey, when are you guys going to talk about a 70s set? So maybe we'll do a set from the 70s next week. Um, well, I think the trick is finding a set that we both have. <laughs> well, I mean, you're going to have them and I'm going to have some of them. Is right, probably how right. it's going to work out, and I think we've already talked about the seventy-one, seventy-two set. A oh few yeah. Times, so oh. we're probably going to have to pick something else, like maybe the, uh, maybe the, I don't know. We'll we'll have to discuss that one. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. There's a lot of good sets that year, and then there's a couple of boring sets. But um, but I want to talk about a set that I think is actually kind of boring. Like you know, we always talk about sets that are like, oh, this set is cool. It's fun. You should buy it. You should collect it. And I want to talk about the ninety two ninety three top set. And I don't know why that just a couple weeks ago when we were like, hey, we should talk about those retro Parkhurst sets and. I don't know why 9293 tops just popped in my head. I think I was going through some images on my phone and I took a picture. I, I have a, a, a poster for 9293 tops. I'll talk a little bit about that later, but I think that reminded me about it. And I said, ah, you know, 9293 tops was like, it was what you call a serviceable hockey card set in that it was, it had cards of hockey players um, as I like well, that's to say, a good start. It's a good start, right? I mean, but uh, I mean, the set is like it's, it's like an ugly baby. You don't dislike it because it's a baby, but it's ugly, so you're not necessarily attracted to it. But it's an ugly baby. It's like you have to you have to love it because it's a baby, but you just eh, you know. It's underwhelmingly underwhelming. That's that? a great way of putting it. Underwhelmingly yeah. underwhelming. So yeah. here's my problem with the set is that 92.93 tops did not get the memo that there were other card companies out there making hockey cards and kicking their asses at it they kind of did a little bit like just to just to for you know for a little bit of hockey card history here so 90.91 when you had like pro set score an upper deck you know enter make hockey cards what did tops do they expanded from 198 cards to 396 cards, which is like, all right, we're just going to make a bigger set. Okay. But you had upper deck putting out like a 550 card set and pro set putting out a 705 card set and like pro set doing series one and series two. And what does tops do? They're like, Oh, well we'll put out this Bowman set with most of the same players and Ed Belfour. <laughs> right. And then like 91, 92, uh, Tops is like, okay, well, we'll do the same thing that Opeachy does. We're going to do a 528 card set and we're going to use nicer paper and we're going to get rid of the gum because the gum stained cards. And, and it was just like, yeah, but it's like they tried kind of harder, but not hard enough. And in 92, 93, they're like, oh yeah, we're going to do 528 cards and we're going to do like nicer backs, but not even nicer, just still kind of like white card stock instead of like ugly gray card stock, but, and you know, full color ink on the back, but no picture on the back. Just not, not a great looking set. Like when I ranked the sets from 92, 93, 
a couple years ago because when there's like a 25th anniversary, I look back and I go, all right, ranking every set from this year. I put them at number 10 out of 13. I just, it, it it's not a great set. Um, another problem I have with it is that that year, Topps used the same design for its baseball, football, basketball, and hockey. So, okay, so the baseball card set came out first, you know, came out in summer of 92 or spring of 92, and that kind of set the precedent. And then, you know, when their hockey and football came out in the fall, it was like, well, let's just use the same design. And then that was their first basketball set in something like 10 years or something when they, in 92, 93. And it's just like, hey, let's impress the basketball fans by using the same design as our baseball cards. And so I think like, to me, it feels a little bit phoned in. It's a generic design. Maybe you could look at it another way and say, it's cool that they all have the same design because it's not about it being a hockey card set. It's about it being a sports set. And maybe it fits into this. If you think of all four of those sets as like a work that goes together, then maybe it makes sense that they have the same layout. I think they were just being lazy and they didn't want to try too hard. I don't think they were thinking like brand recognition. Let's give all of our cards the same design so that people know that's a tops card in case they don't see the tops logo. How many times prior to that, did they use the same design across all of the sports that they manufactured? Never. How many times have they done that since? Mm, I want to say never. Yeah. I can't think of one. I can't I mean, think of a single year. If I go through all the tops designs up till the point where they stop making hockey, I cannot think of a single hockey release that looked like any of the other cards. I mean, the only years I'm thinking of are maybe 99, 98, 99, 99, 2000. Okay. The plain one. I mean, yeah. that's really the only year I can think of that those two were similar, but we're not talking similar. We're talking exactly the same. Yeah. Like it was the same exact design. The white border, the little inlet with the mm-hmm. outline around it that's in the team color and the little mm-hmm. offset white line and the player's name and kind of offset team name. It's exactly the same. Not only are the base cards exactly the same, but they didn't do anything different for the gold parallels that they introduced either. What do you mean by they different? They were all the same. There oh, was nothing different sport? between them. Like, oh, we're going to have a gold parallel. Oh, well, that's new. A parallel set. Cool. Well, it's just the same card, but with a gold foil on the name instead of, you know, instead of the regular thing. And all of the other brands were the same, too. Basketball was the same. Football, same. So. I think Topps was thinking they were going to wow people with the parallel set. Because if you think about it, I'm thinking 91, 92, there were no parallel sets unless you want to count the French versions, which I don't. Um, parallel sets, we think about it being something uh, you special. You can't count those. Cannot. Fr- yeah, French, French, you can't count because that's it's not a parallel because it's no. a completely it's different a variant, release in a different country. A, yeah, so. I agree. I agree. Um, so I would say that 90, so 92, 93, you had Parkhurst. Uh, they did their Emerald Ice set that year. Right. Their parallel set. So I don't know who which came first. It was Topps or Parkhurst. But maybe Topps was thinking like, yeah, we're going to do a parallel set. One one parallel per pack, and it's going to be great. 
and I think that like you know then Proset did it with Parkhurst and I think the Emerald Ice uh, versions are cooler um, shiny green Parkhurst logo so um, just to tell those uh, tell those of you who haven't seen these cards you know um, the Tops gold cards what they did differently was at the bottom where they have the team name and they have the player name they put it in gold like it's like gold foil with the name like etched into it which isn't necessarily a bad look and then the back of the cards are actually nicer the back of the cards are like the front of the cards they're like low gloss but shiny like um like uh kind of a matte just with like a light gloss um good color and then the the top the word tops on the back is in gold so it's actually a nicer looking card oh that's right i forgot they did have that it says tops gold like behind the stats yeah yeah exactly it says tops gold right so that's that's um, right i forgot about that so um they are not bad cards like the backs are actually more impressive than the fronts because the fronts it's like okay you put a blob of gold colored foil in like rectangles and it's just like "Hmm, okay i mean you know, and then you had like Flare Ultra doing gold foil on their cards as well. So it's like it was it was like like I said, Topson didn't get the memo that like other card companies were making hockey cards and doing a better job than them. So that's why I thought ninety two ninety three was such a half hearted attempt. Like we're gonna do five hundred and five hundred and twenty eight cards and it's like oh sorry, excuse me. Sorry. Five hundred and twenty nine. Thank yeah. you. For, you're, you're forgetting tapes. You're forgetting the most important card in the whole set. Yeah, the the checklists. No, um, Eric Lindros. Who, yes. So to explain, so Score had this this deal with Eric Lindros, who was the first overall pick in '91, and it was only they could show him on a hockey card, on an NHL hockey card, because he still had some deal worked out with like junior team sets and classic and stuff like that, but. Nine, uh, he he could only appear on a score trading card, which didn't stop Upper Deck in like 91, 90, 90, 91 and 91, 92 because they'd put him in like different international subsets. And so what a lot of the well, companies... Well, the 90, 91 was just an accident, right? Just a air quote accident. Oh, come the on. They put him... The, the fact that he ended up on that card in 1991. With two other players yeah. and it was called nobody, Canada's captains yeah. nobody nobody realized that that was him like the photographer didn't know that that was him whoops sorry whoops yeah as a as the photographer had to step back three feet to get all of six foot five Eric Lindros yeah. into the frame he didn't know it was him right well they blatantly used it and they weren't supposed to and it's like afterward they go well whoops sorry yeah and the 91 92 Canada cup card whoops yeah so what Tops had to do for 92-93 is they wanted to include Eric Lindros in their top set and their Bowman set and their stadium club set. And so what they did was they made him the last card in each of those sets, but they didn't put that card on the checklist. So when the set was being produced, now keep in mind that, okay, Lindros was traded in like, let's say like around middle of June. And then, you know, he signed with the Flyers and this and that, you know, because he wasn't going to play with the Nordiques who drafted him. And uh, so they had enough lead time that they could have put him 
in the set, like planned that he would be, you know, just planned on putting him in, like Upper Deck did. Upper Deck put him in the set proper. I mean, he's in the top set as well, but they kind of snuck him in at the end. So, I mean, you might open and go, card number 529, this isn't on the checklist, right? And it's because they just snuck it in at the end, right? Um, They probably had to print them separately because Tops would do 132 card sheets. So that's, you know, divide by 132 by 528, it divides evenly, or 528 by 132 divides evenly, so they would have to print up these Lindros cards separately and then just insert them into the packs. Um, so, you know, but it's 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 a shot of him from the press conference when he's, like, you know, being introduced by the Flyers and he's wearing a Flyers jersey. And it, it's the best they could do. And I'm not going to fault them for that because Score was able to get Lindros out on the ice and take pictures of him like skating around in a Flyers uniform and like shooting the puck. I mean, there's a really cool scorecard where it's like shooting the puck and it's not from a game, but Hey, it's cool. Right. It's kind of like what tops and Opeachy did with Gretzky in 88 tops had Gretzky at the press conference, holding up the, the Kings Jersey and Opeachy had a post shot of Gretzky standing on the ice in a Kings uniform. You know, both, both are good solutions. Um, it still doesn't excuse tops for being a, a shitty hockey card set in 9293. Do you think not to beat a dead horse on this one, but if if things went down like you explained there, how you'd have all the sheets and they're printed out based off of the numbering yep. and you add it up, well, that would mean that this one would have to have been printed separately and then packed out separately. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't in the initial print run. If that's the case, have you ever seen anything that alludes to the fact that this card may or may not be short printed? It could be short printed or it could have been uh, double printed. I mean, so doing the quick math, so 132 times four is uh, 528. So they would have had five, uh, four different sheets of cards. They would have printed those up, you know, cut them up, collated them, put them in, a, or not collated them, but put them in a packs whatever. I mean, they'd probably print 132 at a time and then just sort them in however. I mean, Tops had hit or miss collation. I think when Tops printed everything pretty evenly, it was okay. Like, the old baseball card sets, because they were always divisible by 132, I mean, you might get more of one card than another card, but I never knew anybody to not have a certain card. Uh, same with like the 86 tops football, right? Like those were you know, 396 cards. So that would have been three sheets. Right. But I mean, think back about like trying to put together that 165 card set with like 66 single prints and 99 or sorry, 66 double prints and like 99 single prints, or maybe I have 99 or maybe I have it the other way around, but whatever, you know what I mean? When you have that many cards short printed and just how hard it is to put together. Um, oh, and that's ex- that's exactly the reason why I brought that up, because it seems to me that if we use that as a basis for production, and again, this is just me speculating, but you either have one extreme or the other. You either have this card is short printed or this card is double printed. There is no, this card is just like all the rest, because it would either go one way or another. You'd either make too many or make too few. I don't think there, I don't really think, you know, when I was researching on my on 92, 93 sets, I didn't really see anything that alluded to it being hard to find. In fact, and I haven't time, either because I've seen these in plenty. I mean, I've seen yeah. dealers have these 
in the double digits stuck sticking in quarter boxes. So, and you know. that card has been counterfeited, which shocks me. I know. Anybody a want to 90- ca- counterfeit a garbage card? Well, I mean, in 92, 93, things were starting to soften a little bit, but it was like, ooh, Eric Lindros. And it was like, I think most of us were like, I'm just going to continue hoarding his 90 score, 1990 scorecards. Right. You know, and not really worry about his 92, um, his 1992 tops card. Although the gold card, I think the gold card is can probably be considered a short print as far as gold cards go um because well no maybe not because maybe they would have printed them in the same relative quantities as the other cards i'm not sure i would see that one though as being desirable because it's eric lindros he's a hall of famer and that would probably be a little bit tougher of a card to come by but by tougher i mean five to ten dollar range i don't mean like more than that you know because it's still they printed a lot of these tops cards in the in in 92 i mean um not only did they sell them in packs for 55 cents but they also sold them in um jumbo packs (laughs) get this 15 card pack was 55 cents i missed those days and a jumbo pack 42 cards for a dollar 69 Ah, uh, the good old days. I'll tell you this though. So, I worked at a car, a card, excuse me, a comic book and card shop. We were more into comics than cards, but it was my first job. I got the job when I was sixteen. I worked for the guy until I was like a little older than nineteen. Then I quit that job because I got a, a different job. But my first job was working in a comic book and card store. Tell me that that's a that's a dream for a 16 year for a 16 year old socially awkward boy. That is an awesome job. So my boss used to get hockey cards and I remember. uh, And I got a discount. I mean, I'd get a discount for working there, but I remember being so pissed that tops had increased the price of hockey from 50 cents to 55 cents because i swear now 87 88 i did not buy those new i bought those for like a buck buck 50 a pack because they were already old when i was buying them but i could have sworn that that had a 50 cent marking on the wrapper and 88 89 was 50 cents each and 89 90 was 50 cents each and 90 91 and 91 92 those were all 50 cents a pack 55 cents a pack like incensed me because I couldn't get a box for $18. Now I was still getting a, an employee discount, but that was just what I was used to. 50 cents a pack, 36 packs a box, $18 a box. And it was 55 cents a pack. And that really bugged the hell out of me. Well, a nickel. I guess you can, you can basically equate that to the fact that gold foil stamping on one card in a pack costs five cents. But they could have made they but they also didn't have gum this year. Not that the gum was worth a nickel. We know that that gum was Yeah, but it's tops. That's what they do. They make candy. They don't make right. cards. Well, there was no oh. candy in this, but which is fine. Nobody was buying the hockey cards for the gum. I guarantee that. Um but I don't know why they I, would, t- I mean, I understand why they took the gum out, but they changed the technology on the cards. I don't know that gum would have stained these ones. 
You think? Because of the the way they had the finish on them. Um, I don't know. Because they weren't they weren't like that raw cardboard like they had been in the past. No, they're a little bit nicer. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I know why they did, but gum can melt, you know, with sure. heat, you know, and stick because right. it gets sticky. Um, I'll tell you this though, like working at that comic shop, I remember when we got the box of cards, and I might have bought that whole box. I don't remember if I did or not. Yeah, I did buy it, and I'll tell you why I know I bought it because I still have the top of the box. I used to, nice. I used to cut the, you know, because I wouldn't want to save the whole empty box, so I would cut the top of the box off, and then I would mount it to an eight and a half by eleven magazine board, and then I would put that as like the front page of like for my binder. There you go. And, you know, it's that's, funny. that's what I do with boxes now for the sets that I keep in boxes. Mm-hmm. So like OPG or Upper Deck, the base sets. Mm-hmm. When I put those together, I cut the box tops off and use that as the header and the front cover of the boxes. Oh yeah, I do that. I and I use I I did that since the '90s. Although sometimes I would just put them on, uh, uh, like I would just glue them to the card to a um, you know a magazine board. But the other thing that I did was we got a um, a poster, a display poster um, for the cards being on sale at our store. And I confiscated that. I might have said, hey, boss, I'm taking this poster. Or I might have just said, it's a free poster and he doesn't need to know about it. It's not like I was stealing actual merchandise. I was just stealing a... Sorry. I was just... Uh, what's the word I want to use? Um redistributing redistributing this poster that said tops 92 picture cards um doesn't even say on sale here like i used to love those sale posters i had a spider-man poster and it just said marvel comics on sale here and it had spider-man like in that cool crawling pose and yeah my room used to have like all these posters i would bring home from the comic shop and uh yeah this tops one i just i took home and i just you know, it's got uh, Tom Barrasso, Pat Falloon, Joe Sackick, uh, Jeremy Roenick, Darren Poopa, and Gilbert Dion. Okay, not a bad mix of players for 1992. Not at all. Um, so I will say some good things about this set, though, because there's a couple things about it that I like. One, I do like that the backs are a little bit nicer. You know, and I don't want to be hypocritical because we're like, oh, 87 tops is so awesome, or 86, 87 tops is awesome. I feel like those hockey sets from the 80s, I feel like they're like, screw it, no one's buying these cards. Let's just come up with really cool, awesome designs, right? And they were hit or miss, right? But you think of like 81, 82 with the team name stamped diagonally, right? Hit or miss, you either love it or hate it, I loved it. Or you think of like 86, 87 with like the color band at the bottom and along the side, right? And the team logo, right? Like they were trying, or 8889 with the push pin, right? The push pin and the name tag with the drop shadow and it, like the piping around the cards around the border that looked like neon, like a neon piping. I mean, they were trying design. And then here I feel like they were just like, hmm, it's a border. It's a border, right? Yeah. Like they didn't try, they didn't do anything fun. I look at this and I go, man, I just wish they threw a hockey stick in there somewhere or something. Um, but what I'm going to point out is that sometimes tops, just because they were so cheap with their pictures, like 
Sometimes they just be like, eh, that's good enough. And most of it, the time, it's a guy milling around. But once in a while, you get something interesting. Like, there's a card of Mike McNeil where he's drinking from the water bottle. We've seen pictures like this before, usually on Topps cards. I think of uh, Raleigh Melanson's 88-89 Topps hockey card, the Kings goalie taking the swig from the water bottle. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I think of, like, here's a great one of um, Dino Cicerelli, and he's, like, scrumming it up with Steve Conroy and Jimmy Waite. And this is, like, almost an upper deck quality photo just because there's a lot going on. So it's like, what are you doing on this photo? What are you doing on this Topps card photo? You're, you're, you're too good for this, right? Because there's actually something going on here, right? Like, that's kind of neat. A lot of them, again, are just, like, players just kind of standing around. I mean, actually, here's one literally of Dennis Savard just standing around. But the only thing that makes it interesting is that he's, like, not on the ice. He looks like he's coming out of the locker room. Yeah. Um, it's like he's standing in the hallway. He, yeah, not a great picture. I mean, there's, like, another player in the background. Yeah, and it's it's not a great picture, but it's, it's unique, and that's what makes it interesting. I kind of like those kind of unique shots that they would use from time to time that you just look and you're like, what the heck is going on here? Right? Like there's this one of like, um, Gaetan Duchesne and I don't know where he's sitting. There's like other player. I can't tell if he's on the bench. I can't tell if he's in the locker room. I don't know where he's at. He takes up a lot of the picture. So that's fine. You can't really see what's behind him. It looks, it looks like he's sitting on the toilet is what it looks like. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna definitely have to scan this one to show the uh, show yeah, the, show yeah, the yeah. audience. Maybe he's uh, in the penalty then... box. Uh... The penalty box, or is it near the bench? I, I can't, can't tell what's tell. going on behind him. There's a couple of there's a couple of other players in there, so I think it's the bench. Um, one it's interesting of uh, Dan Lambert is that um, he is if you look really close at it, he is wearing glasses. He's wearing sport glasses. Nice. Yeah, and it's it's funny because it's one of the few times, like, he didn't wear sport glasses his whole career. That was just for a couple of games because I I had somebody who uh, knew him ask him about that, and he's like, oh no, that was just for a few games. But it ended up on a hockey card, so a lot of people thought that he wore sport glasses um, a lot of the time, or, or he was you know, channeling. He was channeling his inner Chris Sabo. Yeah, his inner Chris Sabo, right? Or or um who was the basketball player who wore the uh Horace Grant. Horace Grant. Horace yes. Grant used to wear the goggles all the time. The goggles. Now, another one that I love, and this is just uh Brian Marchment had an injury in ninety one, ninety two. He's got the cage on. But it's not a full cage. It's a half cage. It's to protect a broken nose. He wasn't wear so okay. it doesn't cover his jaw. And he'd still get into fights, which was stupid because he had a he had a he was getting over. I don't know if it was a fractured cheek or a broken nose. But the thing was, is like he wasn't going to wear a visor. He was going to wear a cage, but he wasn't going to wear a cage that went all the way down and covered his chin Uh, uh-uh, because he was, you know, still going to take a puck to the mouth if he had to. So, I mean, there's some interesting cards like that. I mean, there's one of Frank Peterangelo, and he's in a pretty deep goalie crouch. So, this has got to be game action. Because i got to tell you, nobody squats that hard in warm-up. That's a that's a goalie crouch. Unless he was in the process of stretching. Mm, 
I don't know though because his stick is out, so he seems to, and he seems pretty focused. His stick is out, and his 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 uh, glove hand is like ready to spring out into action. It's in that ready pose. I mean, we could, you could be right, I could be right. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm not going to go through every single card. Um, although there is one, you know, another couple of things they did that were kind of cool were like super rookie cards. But it's just like, okay, super rookie Nicholas Lindstrom, and then you go. Oh, but he had a rookie card the previous year in Upper Deck and Pro Set and um, Score, right? So Parkhurst. Parkhurst, right? So even though it said super rookie, it's just like, okay, rookie assist leaders, great. Um, there were highlight cards that were kind of nice. Uh, there were all-star cards, you know, first team all-star, second team all-star. Um, one unique card that I'm just going to uh, pull up is a card of a guy named Jim Thompson. He had a bit of a career. He played a little over 100 games. Jim Thompson, not Thompson, T-H-O-M-S-O-N. Now, there are two Jim Thompsons who played in the NHL. This one was born in 65. The other one was born in the 20s and obviously played around like the 40s and 50s. Uh, this guy was born in 65. He played in the late 80s and early to mid 90s. Like I said, he played somewhere around hundred-ish games because he was kind of like up and down between the minors and the NHL. Now, the reason why I bring up this guy, this is his only card, his only NHL card. He had some minor league cards. This is the only card of him as an NHL player. The reason in why any release ever. In every any release ever, yeah. He didn't have a pro set card. He didn't have a score card. He didn't have um any he wasn't in any as far as cards he has um, 92-93 tops and 92-93 tops gold. And then he was in 89-90 pro cards, Utica Devils, 90-91 New Haven Nighthawks pro cards, 94-95, oh, Anaheim Mighty Ducks, Carl Jr. So that was a uh, like a team giveaway set. Not okay, so like you, got a, you got a team giveaway food set, and then you have minor a couple cards. minor league sets. So yeah. no NHL necessarily nhl licensed manufacturer cards other than and that I, now i know the, the the million dollar question that everybody's asking is sell why do you care about this jim thompson card so bad because he is a nhl an ex-nhl player who actually appeared in a movie a horrible 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 movie that you the should notebook. not watch not the notebook titanic it's called the love guru Come on. That movie's outstanding. You need help, my friend. You've been inside too long. What? You need air. You don't like the love guru? With Mike, we're talking about the one with Mike Myers. What other one is there? Right. I don't know. I mean, but so, so there were two, excuse me, Rob Blake is in that movie. And there's two ex-NHLers in that movie. Bob Probert, the Bob Probert, and Jim Thompson. Jim Thompson is the only player on the king's team in that movie who gets any real screen time he doesn't wear a helmet and he has long hair and he has the the c on his sweater so he gets you know he gets pissed off at uh guru pika and you see him out there a lot like he's um the most notable king player on uh, in that movie which is you seriously like this movie no i don't but okay, I, I have seen it, and I will say that it's 
It is pretty dumb. It's been out for 10 years. We should do a... Oh, no, it's been out for longer than 10 years. I was going to say, we should do a podcast where we just talk about the lover. It's funny, because there was a poll on Twitter probably a few weeks ago about who's who's the greatest fictional hockey player from a movie. And my answer to that was Darren Roanoke. (laughs) Darren Roanoke! Okay, for those of you listening, Darren Roanoke was the main character... Of um, oh sorry, no, he was um, he's the one yeah, in Love Guru. The main character plays in for the, the Maple Lo- Leafs. Plays for the Maple Leafs. Yes, um, has a problem with his wife. They have all these problems, and as the problems get worse, his hockey playing gets worse. So then his wife leaves him for the goalie of the Kings, who's played by Justin Timberlake, who is honestly the only funny thing about that whole movie is Justin Timberlake yeah. playing a French Canadian goalie. Right, he's Jacques Lecoq. Jacques Lecoq. No, his, his Jacques Lecoq, like Grande or something. Yeah, but they call him Lecoq. Lecoq, right, yeah. And he has like a, yeah, uh-huh. for reasons I won't divulge, you can use your uh-huh. use your dirty imaginations. But uh, And then he has like a rooster painted on his mask, and he has like an old school goalie mask. Yeah. And um, yeah, we should do a show on The Love Guru, because it's just such a... a, a just such a terrible movie and i could i could share all my little tidbits of trivia about that but so jim thompson who played for the not kings for kids either though by the way so if you're gonna played, watch it in quarantine don't let your kids watch it <laughs> and after you watch it you you need to take a bath in bleach because it is that bad <laughs> it is that bad it is uh... it is like one of the worst movies i ever saw it's um Doesn't Val Kilmer make a make a cameo? I I think Val Kilmer's in it. I don't know, but you know, you think any movie with John John Oliver, Jim Gaffigan, Stephen Colbert? That's right, John Oliver's in it. He's the the agent guy. Daniel Tosh is in it. He has a bit part in it. I mean, not that I'm a huge Tosh fan, but I think Tosh is funny. I love John Oliver. I love Stephen Colbert. You know, it was funny. I was watching uh, before all this quarantine. I remember um, John Oliver was a guest on the Stephen Colbert show, and they kind of looked at each other because he like uh, Colbert said something like, "Well, you were in the Love Guru," and uh, John Oliver's like, "Well, Stephen, you were also in the Love Guru," and he's like, "That's right." And it was almost like they were kind of like daring each other, like they were both kind of ashamed about this fact that it just kind of didn't go anywhere from there. It's like, yeah, you were also in that movie, if I remember. Oh yeah, you're right. You know. Um, so Jim Thompson has his only card in the ninety two ninety three top set. So for those of you who like to collect cards of ex NHL players who ended up in movies well you would need this one right not the same as having a steve thomas card because steve thomas was in young blood or a um a uh bruce boudreau card because he was in Slapshot. but uh yeah <laughs> jim thompson oh you know there's a couple other rookie cards i don't want to say of note brett heideken oh billy garen danny oh, felsner yeah. Ray Whitney, Guy Bear, Todd Nelson played for the Penguins. Um, not, not for very long. No, no. Um, you know, and one one other thing I want to point out really quick as we wrap this up is that the 
the gold cards. The last four cards in the set of the regular set were checklists. The gold cards, uh, they didn't do gold checklists. They probably figured that would be lame. So the four checklists were replaced by Al Conroy, Jeff Norton, Rob Robinson, and Adam Foote. And I think that is like Rob Robinson's, like one of the only cards he ever had was not even in the top set, but as in a parallel, like, oh, well, the normal set has the checklist, but the parallel card, (laughs) the parallel set (laughs) has your rookie card. Yeah, Rob Robinson wasn't even in Parkhurst or, or any of the other or upper deck that year. Just just the tops, but just the gold card. How far do you have to be? I mean, no offense or anything to anybody involved, but how far do you have to be scraping at the bottom of the barrel to dig up players to put on cards at that point? Well, he played I mean, 22 games in 91-92 for the Blues. Scoring, yeah, doesn't uh, his card say he's from the Tampa Bay Lightning? Rob Robinson? Yeah. Isn't that card in that set? It says Tampa Bay. Uh, I think I it does. I don't know. I think we were talking. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, yeah. June 19th, 1992. Traded from St. Louis Blues to Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. Wow. Dude, how do you know? How do you even know that? Like, I don't have that card. I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, I have about <sighs> about a third of the gold set. I fancied myself putting that together, but then I quit for a while, so. Dude, I tried to put that set together, and it was funny because I remember telling my boss at the comic shop, like, I bought a whole box, and a whole box would not put together a set. And I remember... you have, what, 36 cards out of it? Were there 36 36 of the gold and 504 out of 528, but you're not going to get perfect collation like that. Right. Um, so I remember telling my boss at the comic shop, I'm like, yeah, order order more boxes of these tops cards. Because I, I said to him, I'm like doing the math and I'm like, I need to get all 528 gold cards. And he looked at me because he'd probably have to order like 10 boxes to get 360. So he'd probably have and he looked at he probably didn't want to buy like a case of them. And he looked at me and he's like, Complete the regular set first, and then we'll talk, you know? So I don't think I ever actually finished that set. I I ended up, not the gold set for sure, but, like, the actual set itself, I think I fell short, like, 30 cards, and then I think I just eventually bought it for, like, $6. The gold set? No, the regular set. Oh, the regular set. I gotcha. Yeah, the gold set. the, The gold cards, I... Occasionally, I've seen the gold sets, and people want a lot for them but even the individual cards there was a point in time where nobody wanted the overproduction era cards at all so you could get them fairly cheap i mean other than the the main star players like you know gretzky lemieux the lindros card was a few bucks here and there but Mm -hmm. now that there's like this huge junk wax era revival those things are back up to like six and seven bucks for some players now and it's like what it's kind of ridiculous but who knows i don't know Whatever. and yet you can still get the whole set maybe not the gold set but you know that's funny that well that's what i'm talking camping. about just the gold set I mean, the regular sets you can still get for for cheap but the gold sets are like 
or not sets, but individual cards now are back up to some higher prices just because they were gold. And I don't know if people view that as, oh, well, those should be worth something again. I don't know. Wishful thinking, I think, on some people's part. I mean, they still made a lot of these and you could still I mean, you know, oh, speaking of gold cards, just one thing I wanted to point out. So the factory sets had all 528 cards and then they'd come with 20 random gold cards. But I found the sell sheet for uh, that the tops used to solicit the set. Originally, it was only going to come with 10 gold cards and then they somewhere between the sell, you know, soliciting it to dealers and saying, hey, buy a complete set, and then them actually producing it. They upped it from 10 gold cards to 20 gold cards to kind of sweeten the deal, I guess. Um, maybe they're just like, man, these cards are ugly. Let's just keep throwing in gold cards until people buy it. Well, I mean, 20, 20 gold cards at five cents a piece, you know, I mean, you're talking a lot, a lot of money. A one dollar value. Well, in Canada, it's at least a dollar seventy. Oh, yeah, that's right. The exchange rate, I forgot. No, but see, here's the other thing. I'm glad you brought up Canada because I should have said this from the beginning. What was very unique about this top set is from 68, 69 to 91, 92, Tops and Opeachy shared the same design. Same design on the front, maybe the OPG and an OPG logo tops had a tops logo, but really the same design on the front, the back. Okay. The OPG cards were bilingual tops cards were English only. And, but otherwise, I mean, they, they looked the same and this year OPG went and did its own design and tops went and did its own design. And maybe that was because tops was like, well, we're going to make it look like our baseball cards. And you know what? OPG was selling baseball cards in Canada that looked like Topps cards. So that could have been consistent with it. But, I mean, that OPG made a big deal about their 25th anniversary. And they went and did their own set that looked different than the Topps set that year. So it's almost like OPG wanted nothing to do with this set. Usually they were just like, yeah, okay, pushpin, cool. We'll, we'll do the pushpin design. Yeah, okay, hockey stick. Yeah, we'll do the hockey stick. Oh, okay, uh, whatever. Yeah, we'll we'll do that. We'll do whatever you do. And then I think this year they like either they drew the line and said, Nope, that sucks. Or they well, were just like, eh, they we'll did do break, our own thing. They did break with the tradition, but even their design isn't that great either. And their photos are dark in that set. Yeah. They're just like not good photos. Well, aren't most of them like really far zoomed in close ups of the players with like the background blurred out? Seems like it. Talking about the yeah. OPG set. Yeah. It's got that yeah. little blue blue stripe down the down the side. Yeah. yeah. I we'll have to do that as a separate show. So um anyway, any last thoughts about ninety two ninety three tops other than I probably talked you out of ever completing the set? No, but if anybody has some gold cards they want to give me, feel free. <laughs> do you have Especially, a list? Um yeah. Probably. I don't think I have one on my set list because it was one, like I said, I did it for a while and then I gave up. So I'd have to go back and look and see what I have and what I don't have. I think I may have kind of pilfered it and moved cards here and there. So it may be less than I remember it. He has 12 and needs the other 518 or whatever. Yeah. So if you have any of those 500 and some, please, by all means, 
throw them my way. Just spray the envelope with Lysol first before you send it. Yeah, and wash your hands. Yes. So anyway, um, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. Um, if you like this show, please subscribe to it. Please tell your friends about it. Uh, please tell everybody you know about it. Also, if you'd like to support this show, head on over to shop.puckjunk.com. Pick up a t-shirt or two or three. We have sizes medium all the way to 2XL. Uh, if you have a comment or a suggestion, you can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Puck Junk. Tim is at the Real DFG. Uh, he also has a blog that you should check out. What's the address of your blog? Oh, it's an old blogspot one still, or old blogger one or whatever. So it's yeah. uh, dogfacegremlin.blogspot.com. To check yeah. that out there. And um, let's see, what else? Oh, yeah, and then, of course, uh, puckjunk.com. Of course, Puck you know Junk's way that. cooler than my site. Uh... <laughs> I try. I try. I'm uncool in real life, but my blog is cool. If if only I was as cool as my blog, then maybe it'd be on TV. I don't know. I'm too ugly for radio, so. <laughs> but anyways, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. And until next time, peace out. Peace out. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk. 